children, thank you for that. The uh, uh, cuteness quotient will go downhill from here. Um, good morning, and welcome to our service on this, the first Sunday of Lent. Ash Wednesday was this past Wednesday. We had a packed house, which I think is a good sign of the spiritual maturity of a church. Uh, and we're back today for Lent, the first Sunday. My name's James Howell. It's my privilege to be one of the pastors here. Uh, as I look around, some of you are visiting with us. We're really honored uh, that you have come. We hope you let us know who you are, where you are, some contact information in some form or another. That would really be great. We could uh, begin the process of getting acquainted. Um, up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. Good morning. It's so good to be in worship with you all. Uh, we encourage you to look into your bulletin and online for all the things happening during Lent, specifically at our small groups. So let us continue on with a heart of worship.
continue to raise our voices as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your hymnal on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. our prayer of confession, which we will be praying together through the season of Lent. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too hidden even to realize, and too deep to undo. Forgive what we hesitate to name, what our hearts can no longer bear. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow into your likeness through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Church, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. The Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 2, beginning with the 15th verse. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Adam and Eve, uh, God's first sorrow God's first sending. 
you prayed it in the prayer of confession. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry. They're too hidden even to realize, too deep to undo. Uh, on uh, Lent, I quoted uh, the Pentecostal theologian Chris Green, who said, there's nothing more sinful than what we've said about sin. Our sense of sin is warped. This occurred to me the other uh, day in a, in a fresh way. Uh, a friend, pretty distraught, came to talk to me. And she began by saying, James, I am in trouble. My gut reaction was to say, what did you do? Seemed logical, right? I'm in trouble, what did you do? But fortunately, I hushed, I just waited. And she told me about her trouble, and as it turned out, her trouble was not anything that she had done. It was things that had grieved her in her world around her. Hmm. See how that works? Things that had happened to her, wounds that would, were inflicted on her, I would say, uh, by the vortex of our culture. So much that goes on, it's so painful. I'd love to say to you, be part of something bigger. I don't need to tell you that you're already part of something that is much bigger than you are. If you are anxious, it feels really personal like it's in me, but actually we live in a very anxious culture. It's the air that we breathe, that's the society that we've created. If you have thoughts of suicide, that feels really individual, but we live in a society where it's kind of become a rampant sort of thing, a low valuing of life, a dream of escaping. If you self-medicate or you love someone who self-medicates, you know, there's an article, I just skimmed it in this morning's Wall Street Journal, it's a book review, and it, it's pointing out that uh, the Bible doesn't specify that it was an apple that Adam and Eve ate, and actually the fruit that most often is named is the grape. And the grape just makes all the sense in the world, right? Because what human beings figured out how to do with grapes, it was like delightful, and it just has caused so many problems. If you self-medicate, we live in a society that's the thing. If you don't feel safe going out in the world, Lisa went out last night for a walk. I was scared for her. We've created a world that is not safe. Uh, guns, there's a lot of things you could say about guns in the name of individual rights. We have come upon a world that's complicated and frightening. You can talk about anything. We can talk about race. We can talk about another police incident. We can talk about gridlock in Washington. Like It's easy to cast the blame. Like. I've got my own life, but, but it's out there somewhere. But actually, it's a corporate thing. It's something that we have together created. If we have trouble, so much of it is in the culture, even the culture that we applaud. I've told you this before. The church for years has warned us about the seven deadly sins. If it were later than 8.30 in the morning, I could recall all seven of them off the top of my head. I'm not a morning guy. Pride, sloth, sloth greed, envy, lust, all of this, like the church said, you, you should be very, very wary of these things. This is the good life in America. That's what everybody seems to be after. It is the trouble of our culture that eats away at us like a vulture, <laughs> a culture vulture. If you have abandoned hope, it's the air that we breathe in our world. If your marriage is flailing, that is the world that we live in. It's more uncommon if it is not. If you have a grown child that does not go to church, parents tell me this all the time, what did I do wrong that my child does not go to church? We've raised a generation of people where somehow that fell off the radar screen. Just one more gets swept up in that. Adam and Eve, uh, what would, uh, who? Scientists that we know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, Bill Nye the science guy, what would they say about Adam and Eve? I think they would uh, say, what I would say is they're not intended to be literal people. They have symbolic names. I mean, if I go to heaven one day and God says, there really were no people at all and then I made Adam and Eve and, and you should have known that, I'd say, sorry. Like your salvation doesn't depend on that kind of thing. The way I take it is this, when hominids first stood upright. <laughs> when they first stood upright, when we first started to have people who used tools and had language, one of the things that we know from the archaeological evidence is at that very point, people, be they began to look up. They began to bow their heads. There was a spirituality in them from the very 
beginning, there also in them was something terrible that I think is well described at the opening scene of the movie 2001. Civilization is dawning and the apes realize that with this, with this thing that should be a tool, I can actually wreak violence on another person. At the very beginning, we began to break God's heart. People say to me sometimes they don't like the doctrine of original sin. We recoil against the doctrine of original sin, that Adam and Eve sinned and it's just been passed down to the rest of us. We should not recoil. It's just the truth of reality. Mark Twain said, I do not know why Adam and Eve get so much credit. I could have done just as well as they did. <laughs> Lancelot Duloc in Camelot. I should have had Evan sing this for us this morning. He comes to Arthur's round table. He's very cocky, and he says, had I been made the partner of Eve, we'd be in Eden still. Pretty soon he's in bed with Guinevere, right? It's just how it goes. If you see a billboard advertising Adam and Eve, it's not inviting you to a Bible study, <laughs> is it? God's sorrow over these things. God's sorrow over those first people being like that, all of us being like that, culminated in Jesus weeping and crying out and sending us into the world to try to change things. You know, individual responsibility is a good thing, uh, but we do live in a fallen world. Part of sin is our inability to think corporately. Part of our sin is we just think about me and my spirituality not our spirituality, not our corporate responsibility. We never mind being beneficiaries, by the way, of good things. You know, if I'm free in the United States of America, I didn't earn that, but I sure enjoy it. If the Charlotte economy is booming and my business does well, I, I sure enjoy having that. If I inherit any amount of money from someone in my family or have some family treasures, heirlooms that come down to me that I did not earn or purchase, they just came to me. I'm so happy to receive those. We like to be beneficiaries of things that are corporate. God invites us to be responsible for the troubles of the world. Jonathan Sachs says the sin of the first couple, couple's a failure to take responsibility. Had Chris read the whole chapter, God comes and says, what did you do? And, and Adam said, well, Eve made me do it. And he said, well, the serpent made me do it. And they don't take any responsibility. They, after all, had been placed in the garden to do what? To exercise dominion, to take care of God's world. There's a world out there. God invites us to uh, care for it, to be responsible for it. Sometimes when we try to talk about responsibility, I named some hot-button issues a minute ago, didn't I? whether it was guns or gridlock in Washington or police issues or whatever. I'm reading a book right now about Peter Story. He was a white pastor in South Africa and played a pretty big role in trying to dismantle apartheid in South Africa. He's a friend. He's still alive. wrote a book recently about his ministry. <laughs> He says this, is that he very often, he's trying to get rid of apartheid. He said very often critics, his critics would say, you're too political, you're not spiritual enough. You're too political, you're not spiritual enough. Here's his response. He said, being spiritual is to illuminate everyday reality with the mind of Christ, to allow our humanness to be trust, touched by Christ's divinity. Let me say that again because I stumbled. Being spiritual is to illuminate everyday reality with the mind of Christ, to allow our humanness to be touched by Christ's divinity. We'd better hope that's the case because most of the troubles that I have, most of the troubles that you have, is not just me as a solo person. We're caught up, we're swept up in some greater wave and it afflicts all of us. We don't even understand it sometimes and it hurts so much, it worries us so much, or we create so much blame, or we're so frustrated with those other individuals. We're all in this together. God makes us responsible for all of this together. Friends, Lent, this is time for us in the church to pray and to engage. To pray and to engage. Two stories from the life of uh, Mother Teresa. This one's almost too hard to believe, but they have documentary evidence of this. In 1983, there was a terrible war going on in Beirut in Lebanon, and Mother Teresa went there with some of her sisters. 
to uh, exercise some uh, mercy, some charitable care. When she got uh, to the entrance of the city, they said, you, you, you cannot come in. The fighting is too intense. She said, we, we want to come in. We're not worried about the risk. They said, you cannot come in unless there is a ceasefire. Mother Teresa said, I will pray for a ceasefire. They laughed. Said, there's not a ceasefire in sight. Dawn the next morning, it was announced, there is a ceasefire. And Mother Teresa and her sisters went into Beirut. Second story, Mother Teresa was invited to be a speaker at a conference on world hunger in Bombay. She typically was running late. She arrived at the conference, and it had already begun. People were already inside. She's climbing the steps of the building. She noticed on the side there was, there was a hungry person there. She actually never entered the building to give her talk, to be part of the conversation on world hunger. She stopped and tended to and fed that one person. Someone criticized her for this and said, that one person is just a drop in the ocean. We're trying to look at the big issue. She said, the ocean is one drop and another drop and another drop. God asks us to pray. God asks us to tend to one person, one situation, something, to do something. We need to pray for the city of Charlotte so we don't wind up as the next Memphis. It's always interesting where there's a big public tragedy. People say, oh, I never thought this could happen here. I just laugh out loud when they say that. Like, why did you think it would not happen where you live? Of course it could happen where you live. It's just chance. It was Memphis. Then it was Minneapolis. It could be Plaza Midwood where I live in Charlotte today, any day. We begin to pray. We begin to work for change. We begin to be the people that we get very interested in the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you think about self-medication, so much of that is we're asking alcohol to play the role that the Holy Spirit could play in our lives, to give us joy, to make life fun, to cement relationships, to deal with sorrow and worry. We're building a new building It'll be a great building. I hope it will be a place of prayer. I hope it will be a place of blessing to this city. Uh, they're building materials that go into it, and uh, inflation on the cost of those materials has put us behind on that. If you wish to give a contribution to our building fund, please let us know. Inflation, I didn't do it, you didn't do it. It's something that happened in the world, and we got to take responsibility for it. You have a board, and you know, you could whack somebody with a board, but Jesus knew what to do with, with a board. Jesus, after all, he was a builder. He was a carpenter. He, he could take a board, and he, he could build a house. He could take a board. He, he could build a, a table. I love our, our builders. It's a great name. Sunday school class, they recently were building tables for families here in Charlotte. He could build a table. Tables really matter. When I was in Davidson, one of my associate pastors said, I'm having a meeting. I'm inviting all the community leaders from the town of Davidson to come together. I hope you'll come. I thought, good grief. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm not telling until you get there. It's made me nervous. So I came. He opened the meeting, welcomed everyone, and said, um, as I look around this room, I think we can do what I'm about to ask of you. I want us to uh, see if we can't uh, get rid of poverty in Davidson. People kind of chuckled. Then they looked at each other and they began to think, we could do that. <laughs> we could do that. We come to our Lord's table today. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. They were hungry. They were trying to find their way to meaning and hope. I don't think God was mad at them. I think God was sending them into the world when God said, go out into the world I ask you to have dominion. Go out into the world. Take care of this world. We need, we need nourishment for that journey. We come to our Lord's table today. And it just symbolizes so much. We've got three days left on Black History Month. So I have to remind you of Martin Luther King's dream. It wasn't his dream. It was God's dream. He just talked about it. That one day at a table, it will be black boys and girls and white boys and girls sharing together at the table. Brotherhood changes the world. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. It wounds us. 
Yet it's God's calling. Friends, let us pray. Let us go out, respond to our calling, and serve. Thanks be to God. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. O God, our Creator, your love is as fresh as the new day, rising like the sun to greet and to guide us. In Jesus Christ, you walk with us to challenge and encourage us revealing our weakness, yet offering us grace, hope, and forgiveness. In this time of worship, empower us with the Holy Spirit to be open to new possibilities that you create for the world which you love. Lord, in your mercy, God of all life and each life, we offer you thanks for all the ways we meet you in our daily lives. In a word of encouragement, in an insight into truth, or an opportunity to serve. We thank you for a breath of calm in the midst of stress, and for an offer of support when we need it. We thank you for a sense of accomplishment that our work matters and moments of rest and relaxation to renew us. We thank you for all these signs that you love us. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, our gratitude for your love reminds us of the need for your care in the world. And so in times of silence we pray for the world and the people and places of suffering in the news that this week we have heard about and for the leaders facing difficult decisions and balancing different needs in a complex world. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for your church and congregations facing new challenges and opportunities for mission we pray for our family, friends, and neighbors, especially those who are sick, hungry, or who grieve this morning. We especially remember the family of Carl Walker in their time of grief and loss. Lord, in your mercy. Oh God, we thank you for your grace that embraces all those whom we pray for today. In this week ahead, help us to notice your hand at work in our lives and in this troubled world. We offer you our prayers and our thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. It is your tithes and offerings that make the mission of this church in this community and around the world possible in advance of your giving as the ushers come, I thank you for your tithes and your offerings.
offer our gifts in thanksgiving for all the goodness you provide. Bless these gifts in our lives so that we become a source of goodness for others. In the name of Christ, our strength and our hope. Amen. actually asks us not just to be like Jesus, but to be Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Christ out there in a hurting world. Friends, we come to Holy Communion today. I say, as I always do, that all are welcome here. There's a question tucked inside that for all of us to ask, despite the goodness in our hearts. Who, who may not feel welcome here? Who out there needs that touch of Christ, always asking, always confessing? always seeking. All are welcome at our Lord's table. We'll begin with the prayers of consecration, the uh, sung responses, which our choir and Evan will lead us, page 17, 18, and 19 at the front of the hymnal. Uh, after we consecrate the elements, uh, the ushers will guide you in coming forward. You can receive standing. Somebody will hand you a piece of bread, dip it gently under the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling. We also have uh, gluten-free packets COVID-friendly packets, if that's the thing that matters for you, so just ask that when you um, arrive at the front. So friends, let us join together in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. is your son Jesus Christ on the night in which he gave himself up for us the Lord Jesus took bread and after giving you thanks he broke the bread he gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me when the supper was over he took the cup again he gave thanks to you gave it to his disciples and said drink from this all of you for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. 
through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Friends, let us pray together now the prayer after communion, which you will find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. board today. God asks us to pray and to be sent into the world. One of the ways that we are doing that starting now is we're building a neighborhood of 39 homes near the airport as part of our hope is this is going, this is more than a drop in the ocean. This is a big splash in the ocean, friends. Uh, These boards are in our lobby of the Parish Life Building. We're praying over these. You can sign these. You can write Bible verses on them. You cannot write, go Carolina. 
Uh, but other things are acceptable. And I hope that you will uh, not just do that, or sign up for work days, uh, but also be in prayer for this project. Your generosity to, to our Hope Is Here campaign is making this happen, and it's really transformative. So friends, thank you so much. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.